A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. All right, guys, welcome back to the Rich Shields Golf Show podcast. This is episode number 66. It's me, Ricky Shields, here wow. with producer Guy, and we have got an action-packed podcast coming your way today. Mm, yeah. <laughs> I feel like I'm starting this with a lot of energy because by the back end of this podcast, we tail off a lot. I certainly do. You know, I think today's was a different vibe. It wasn't silly. It was quite a serious one. Um, bit of a different change, I think, to normal. We're sat somewhere different. I don't know if that, and we're sat on a desk with microphones like on stands. So if that changed the vibe, and I've got my laptop up as well, so it felt a little bit more serious. Either way, in this podcast, we cover loads of topics. We talk tour news again. I know we're becoming a tour podcast, everybody. We talk about Bryson. We talk about Lee Westwood and his caddy. We talk about Justin Thomas taking victory at the Players' Championship. We also, you asked me a great question today. Thank you. If I was to go onto a desert island and could take only one set of golf clubs... At the moment, though, we are being very rudely interrupted by Matt <laughs> and Harry. We've been quite all the way through. Now we're doing uh, the start. We're only trying to do the buddy podcast here, guys. You don't worry. You just crack on in the background. That's By the way, that's Matt and Harry who do our uh, video- videography for the podcast, which you can check on the second channel, the Rick Shields Golf Show channel on YouTube. We're doing loads of clips on there. So if you want to see any of this on visual, you want to see our beautiful faces, go and check out there. But Guy basically asked me, if I was to go to a desert island and take one set of golf clubs, what would I take? And i go through a set of golf clubs, which I am very, very proud of. Yep. And you ticked almost every product that I put in there, bar one. One was a bit bland, a bit beige, a bit vanilla, a bit boring, a bit standard, a bit rubbish. <laughs> Either way, guys, sit back, enjoy episode number 66 of the Rich Shields Golf Show podcast. Now, I want to beat you today. At what? At rock, paper, scissors. Oh, okay. So I feel like... I think I know where you go. Yeah. I've been practicing, and I think I know where you go. All right, then. Okay, you ready? Rock, paper, scissors. Uh. Oh, tied. Rock, paper, scissors. Oh, I'm going to win again. I just knocked the mic as well. Three, two, one. Welcome back to the Rick Shields Podcast, everybody. I'm your host, Rick Shields. I'm here with producer Guy. We're all professional today. Sat on desks, got mic stands, because this is a glimpse to what the future of the Rick Shields Golf Show podcast is going to look like. But we don't want to give too much of that away just yet. But we have had an unbelievably exciting week planning something that will take the podcast to a next level. In fact, not even just one level up. I think we're going to like level up by maybe five or six. Right then, what if it, if it, if, the, if the podcast had a handicap now, Ooh. what would it be? And what's the handicap going to drop to? Oh, that's a good one. Well, let's start off by giving a, a year summary. I feel like it started the year 2020, like maybe maybe a 20 handicap. Yeah. It, it kind of, it's one of those podcasts that had all the gear, but no real idea. Didn't embarrass itself, but it had more potential. Correct. Yeah. Like we, we, we did, it had a few lessons. It, it watched a few YouTube videos. It think it, he thought he knew everything. Yeah. He bought all the Zoom kit, the laptops, the mics, 
thought he was the best thing since sliced bread. Following the year late, kind of following on, I reckon he probably got down to maybe 15. Yeah. So decent season for the podcast. Mm-hmm. And then <laughs> I reckon from the start of the year, we've started really strong. And I would say at the moment, we're knocking on the door of maybe a 13 handicap. Do you think? Like somebody that, you know, you feel co- like a podcast you're proud of. Yeah. Like you're not embarrassed of the 13 handicap podcast. Mm-hmm. Single figures this year then. In the next couple of weeks, <laughs> we're turning pro. And we're not even going single figures. All we're right. jumping everything and going to, into the professional league. We're going to start off pr- like semi-pro. Like, yeah. like not, not going to go too adventurous. We're not okay. going to sign a club deal just yet or a, or a big branding. But saying that, the podcast might be getting sponsored <laughs> soon, so we might be doing. Um, but either way, it's exciting. We've got loads of things planned. Like I say, we're not going to give too much away, but it, we, we feel like we are going to level up in a big, big way. That's the objective. That's the goal. Yes. Today's show is absolutely crammed full of hopefully goodness. Um, I watched some golf this weekend. And I know you did. I did. I watched uh, Bat Nine Sunday. So I knew I've yeah. got enough information to talk. Should we, should, should we go into that first? The funny thing is with tour golf, I know a joke about it. I'm kind of getting more into it at the minute, actually, leading up to the Masters. And I know you are. I, I think at the moment, it, it's a good run of events. It's a, it is. Like, if you come to this podcast expecting tour news every week, you're in the wrong place. There's other podcasts that do it better, let's be honest. Yeah, no laying up, do an amazing job yes. of, of tour news week in, week out. Whether it's at the Houston Open or the bloody Sony International or the Bay Hill or Sawgrass. No laying up, do it better week on week. We're kind of just jumping in on the hot topic events. Well, also as well, I'm, I, I, I kind of know people like it, so it's good content. But also, we have a lot of people that listen to the podcast kind of months after. So if we're going about something that's so time sensitive, it can date a bit. But I think it's 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 only fair that we give the, the players that little bit of time it deserves. Because it was a good event. A bit like you, I watched the last nine on Sunday. Yeah. Got really into it. I was cheering for Bryson, I'll be honest. But I also wanted Lee Westwood to win as well. But also wasn't disappointed with Justin Thomas, so it was kind of a bit of a win-win for me. Yeah, it was for me. I, for me, I probably wanted Lee Westwood to win mainly because just because I feel like he's playing so good at the age of forty-eight, and we saw him go toe-to-toe with Bryson last week at Bay Hill, and he only just missed out there to be in the final group again on Sunday, playing with Bryson, which. I bet that's not happened that many times. Two players in the final group week after week. You think about the chances of how many people are playing. It is, yeah. Because I bet there's been one player being in the final group week after week, and we've probably seen it with Tiger many years and, and players in form. But to have two players week after week being in the final group, um, I really wanted to see Lee Westwood go on and take victory he didn't justin thomas came from behind he had a phenomenal saturday and sunday saturday shot 64 eight under to put him into position and i must admit yesterday's performance from from justin thomas was ridiculous you know you know when you're watching tall golf you sometimes see shots where you think like that is ridiculous but also you see shots you don't even appreciate because you're kind of used to hitting amazing shots certainly off the tee he hit a shot that i looked at and thought in in the situation with the pressure with the how hard of a shot it was really impressed me. It was his three-wood or five-wood, whatever it was, on the 16th, his second shot. Yeah. He gripped down it. There was water all the way down the right and at the back of the green, and he hit that three-wood. Was it three or a five-wood? I'm not I think too it sure. it was a five-wood. And he popped it up. And to go for that and, and execute... Because then he birded it, didn't he? He, he uh, birded 16, yeah. To hit that shot is just... I mean, that's the kind of shot where, like you said, you could probably do that shot one in ten. If there's nobody around, yeah. and it, you know, yeah. It's not that, the, it wasn't so much the execution of hitting it. Like when you see an amazing lob shot or an amazing shot out of the rough, you think that's an almost impossible or an old Seve shot. That was a shot where 
it's doable. But in that situation, what a ridiculous golf shot that was. Yeah, no, he, he was phenomenal. And like I say, he, he deserves winning. He's had a bit of a tough year with, you know, things that he's done himself, obviously, with the, the kind of slurs that he mentioned at the start of the year, uh, which I, we have touched on, so we don't need to kind of dive into again. He's kind of um, been dropped by Ralph Lauren, clothing line. His grandfather's just passed away recently. You know, he's, he's, he's not, in his regard, not the best season off the golf course. And he's not really had the best season on the golf course. But that f- performance was just epic. And it'll be interesting to see how he goes on from here because he deserves to be competing every week. He is phenomenal. I remember when he was almost just known as... Um... John's Jordan Spieth friend, yeah. yeah, and now look at him, yeah. I saw your tweet about should um, the players be amazed instead of the USPGA. It it got mixed response. Mm. It got very mixed response, and you know what? I probably tweeted it in the in the in the spur of the moment, yeah, because how much I thoroughly enjoyed it. And when I think look at the major lineup, I love the the Masters. Mm-hmm. Like love it to bits. For me, start the season. It's only a few weeks away now. I mean, it's just epic. Always at the same venue. One one of the you can't replace the Masters. You can't. And I feel like with the Open, you can't replace the Open, the heritage, the history, the the and it's ours. It feels like it's ours, doesn't it? And and I love the fact it moves to these iconic golf courses around the UK. It's just phenomenal. I love the Open. The ones I'm not personally that attached to is the US Open and the US PGA. Uh, US Open, I probably like more than the PGA just because I know it's more of a test. Like when I think US Open, I think Pebble Beach, I think, um, I'm trying to think of other golf courses, like uh, Beth Page, Black. I feel like it's a proper test and you never know what you're going to get. And, it, and it's a real like demanding event. Well, is that it though? Is that because you've got the Open is the Open. It's in the UK or Ireland or whatever. Um, you, you've then got the Masters, which is at Augusta every year. You've, it's the first major of the year. It's all pristine. You've then got the US Open, which is renowned, like you said, for being a test. Then what's the US PGA? I always feel like the US PGA, for me, is, is on a golf course that's normally much more of a stadium golf course. It's much more for the long hitters, for like a Quail Hollow or a... Um, what was that one that DJ won it at now? My, my, probably history of US PGA is not as good. And maybe that's a bit of a telltale sign. Like, I can't really remember that many places it's been been at in the past. Um, I'm not taking anything away from the winners. And, and so if you didn't see my tweet, I basically said, let me, let me get the wording up actually, because this will give some context. I said something along the lines of, should the players be a, a major? Should it maybe replace the US PGA? Mm-hmm. And the tweet got loads of interaction. It got lots of like and lots of support, but also some negativity. I saw a great comment about somebody not liking the 17th. And I think, you know what? I kind of agree with that. I think it's a great hold to watch in terms of excitement. But what I I think is strange is if you kind of go for the safe shot and go middle of the green, the putt you've then got is ridiculous, isn't it? So it's almost like you had to go for it and risk it, which is... It's fun to watch, but then you can easily go in the water. The wind can change so much, but then so many of them hit that nice sand eye in the middle of the green, had like a 34-footer downhill with a swing. Anything past the hole just rockets on. Yeah, that, that and, and I saw someone, I saw that same tweet, and I thought, yeah, is that fair? Is that too, is that too much of a Mickey Mouse hole to, to determine a, a major champion? Because you've got, you've got 16 is a really difficult hole, the par 5. You've got the 17th, obviously, the Island Green, one of the most famous par 3s in the world, if not the most famous par 3 in the world. Yeah, for sure. Then you've got the 18th hole, sweeping round the lake, finishing hole, par 4, really tough test. And again, it's just almost... And any major could do this. One slightly miss 
structure yeah. can turn into a massive score. Is it more as well, though, how the wind on that hole can make such a difference? I know it's always a case of the, the look of the draw or the tee time, but if you went out in a morning tee time, sometimes an afternoon tee time, with that hole, it can make such a difference that it could be deemed as unfair. I don't yeah. know. For me, it, in retrospect to the tweet, I probably I think it should stay where it is. I think for the, it's, it's the biggest event out of the majors, outside of yeah, the yeah, majors, yeah. would you agree? 100%. And I quite like how it does sit slightly different to the majors. You know, I, I, I'm still not the biggest fan of the, the USPGA, but that's just like, say, it, the, I don't think, and I don't, I would, I would guess that's most people's feeling. If they were ranking the four majors, that's got to be the fourth. It would. I think, yeah. I think we've done polls on that before on Twitter, and that's the case. But equally, and that's one I'll probably look forward to the least, but having said that, if you had Tiger, Rory, Bryson, and Lee Westwood down that, you know, in contention at the end, it would be irrelevant what major it is, wouldn't yeah. it? You'd just be loving it. So it's one I look forward to the least, but equally, you've got all the best players there normally. It still has potential every year to be amazing. Yeah. What I did love about Sawgrass and why I do kind of go back to that idea that i do think it would actually be a really good uh, major event as well is the fact that i was there's no winner till that last putt goes in because of the unpredictability of those mm-hmm. last three holes you know what i mean like some golf courses if somebody's one or two ahead and they've got a, a fairly easy run yeah like they're not they're gonna make bogey at worst yeah where genuinely on the 17th and 18th people you can make eights nines who was it that made someone made 11 this week on number 17 well, JT's T-shirt on 18. Oh, that was mad, wasn't it? That was like... Did you see the delayed club twirl? That was sick. <laughs> that was like the perfect... Obviously pulled it a fraction. It had a bit of a bad bounce and a kind of a good bounce. Was ended up being the perfect shot result-wise. Yeah. He must have been twitching as that was through oh the air. One bad kick to the left and that's gone. I, I tweeted when the ball landed, oh my God, Thomas Line or something. And then when I started watching it, I thought, oh, he's proper mishit. That mm. that wasn't intentional. He's hit his three wood, trying to draw it around the lake. He's hit it from the toe. It's shaping a lot. And then managed to cling onto the edge and leave himself an opt- optimum place back in. Um, I think we dive a little bit more into tour. Lee Westwood. Yeah. Obviously second. Mm-hmm. Took away a huge amount of money. Do you think and it sounds like a, a, a mad question to ask this, do you think he would be happy or disappointed with his last two weeks of performances and results? Depends. If, if you said to him before these two weeks are going to come, what's he come second, second and second. second? I didn't know if he'd finish second in the end or not, but yeah, second and second, I'm sure he'd take it. Yeah. But if you said he was in the final pair in both, week, both weekends and he's not won either... He'd probably be disappointed, wouldn't he? And it was like when, remember the other week when we the podcast when we said about him winning a major, will he ever do it now because yeah. of that pressure? Was that kind of the same thing, do you think? Yeah, you know, he didn't play well yesterday. What did he, what did he actually shoot on the day? Was I think it he level? He shot in the one end? under or one, level. So he's, not, he's not completely fluffed it, but that's the thing that, that's that next gear of shooting a four under, shooting a five under, cementing it. Yeah. Um, it, it was sketchy. I know he shot level par, but it was very, very sketchy. The, the way he put his round together, he clung, clung on all the way around. It wasn't, it wasn't good golf. I, I'd love to know how many fairway bunkers he found off the tee because he. he considering I, met, I said how good the uh, forgiving the ping g425 driver yeah. is he wasn't making it look very forgiving yesterday and he put it in so many fairway bunkers um but managed to kind of put well actually which is not lee westwood's kind of favorite favorite area 
You know what shot really confused me, and you might know better than me on this, I'm sure you will, but on 16, when yeah. he was, his second one went into that kind of, it was a bit kind of semi-plug, but not really, and he kind of hit like an actual bunker shot yeah. out. I thought, I mean, I might be talking nonsense here, but eight and, eight an eight-tying eight bump, and, bump run. and run, exactly, almost just chip it out, give it some full momentum, let it follow the kind of fairway and roll up towards, I mean, he made pass, it wasn't a disaster. I thought that. But that was, because it was just like a, a bunker shot, yeah. and it was like, well... You couldn't go up... So if you didn't if you didn't see it, Lee Westwood after his second shot hit it left of sixteen. There's a, there's like a tree inside, like a a rough bunker. It's not like a proper pristine bunker, and he got a bit of a dodgy lie. So he couldn't go high because the tree was blocking him. He had water behind the green. He had water a, a, a bunker on the front right, and uh, he, like I say, he just tried to play this like kind of like normal bunker shot where back of the back of the stance, little chippy a time. I think would have worked a lot better. That's what I thought, but is that potentially? And I want to come on to this topic very quickly because I want to ask you a question here. Do you think that's potentially where a more senior, experienced caddy might have given him that advice? I don't know. It's easy to say yes, but surely someone like him who's been playing golf at that level for 20-odd years or whatever knows a shot in his head. He knows the risks, the rewards. It's not like it's an amateur who needs the advice and saying, look, play this shot. He must have felt that was the best option. And whether the lie looked worse in real life, maybe he couldn't get an A-time behind it. Yeah. But it looked, it just looked like it was almost, for me, a chip out the trees yeah. shot, wasn't it? A bit yeah. of a back foot A-time, just digging it and let it just hop out. But Question for you. Go on. And I want you to ask me the same question. <laughs> Could you have your girlfriend caddy for you at a professional level? Um, I spoke about this with my wife this morning. She loves the romantic story about Lee Westwood and, and his fiance caddying for him. But I said to her, could we do that? I've got a question for you, then I'm going to throw it back at you. I saw something on Land that was really good about people who've been slagging off uh, Harry Diamond, who is Rory's best friend on the back, and saying he needs a professional caddy. What is a professional caddy? Yeah. As far as that, there's no caddy school, is there? You don't get a caddy degree. No. You don't do three years at no. caddy. So what is it? You know, Harry Diamond, I don't know the lad. I think I've been at events where he's been before. Um, I think he was a plus four or five golfer. You know, massive golfer in that county where Rory's from. Um Obviously, he can play golf to a ridiculous standard. He's one of his best friends. He's done pretty well with him on the bag, hasn't he? I know he's not won as much as he would have liked to. But Lee Westwood's not having his wife on the bag just for a jolly at this level, is he? If he was retired or something, or on, sorry, if he was like on the seniors tour playing the odd event here and then it was just a bit of a, she'd come for a bit of a holiday, she must know a lot. Well, I, I'm not one qu- second questioning that he shouldn't have her on the You're on the asking bag. the question. I'm asking you personally. I, the reason why, first off, I've heard him say this. He was on Eric Anders Lang podcast the other week, and he, he rotates between three caddies. As we as we know, when I went down to Wentworth with him, and we I got chatting, so he has his fiance, his mm-hmm. soon to be his future wife. He has his son. Yeah, he's like a twenty year old lad, I think. And then he does have a professional caddy, the quote unquote somebody he's used in the past. But he kind of rotates between the three of them. Now he mentioned this was something really interesting. Um, let's talk just on his on his fiance at the moment. He said something like, what he loves about it at the moment, his fiance just, ca- she's called Helen, she just carries the bag. Mm-hmm. That is literally all she'll, she'll do. And that's not taking any disrespect from her. That's just what he wants her to do. She doesn't give him advice. He does all of his own yardages. He does all of his own judgments. He just asks for a seven iron offer and she'll give a seven yeah. iron and she'll clean the clubs. I mean, I love the romantic side. He'll, he still rakes all the bunkers, which I really like. <laughs> um, but on the, what he said, and this is a really good line, he would rather be a hundred percent committed to a decision, to the wrong decision. Right. This was it. He would rather be a hundred percent committed to the wrong decision than eighty percent committed to the correct decision. 
Yeah. And what I mean by that is he can be 100% committed to his decision. Because he's not had an interference with it. Nobody else. No, yeah. no caddy. It's his decision. So he can take that club and he can be 100% committed. Where When you have got a caddy, and I've I, even in my little limited experience having a caddy, if a conversation between two players, two, a caddy and a player, and you say, well, actually, what about like a little three-quarter eight iron here? Yeah. And in my head, I'm thinking nine iron. Well, you might persuade me to hit that three-quarter eight iron thinking it's the right shot, but then I'm not fully committed to that as the player. Does it depend on, though, as well, as what you see a caddy as? Yeah. So, for example, let's picture a lad. He's 20 years old. He's been the world number one amateur, and he turns pro and he's on the PJ Tour. In my opinion, I might be wrong, but you'd imagine that the caddy, let's say they get an established caddy who's been around the block or whatever, that caddy is giving them distances and you know um, club selections, etc., window, that kind of stuff. They're also probably, not in every case, but you'd imagine going to give them a bit of an arm around the shoulder when they're coming out of that final stretch. They might put a little bit of wisdom in the rear every now and again, or, you know, just relax. You know, they've seen it They've seen it a million times before. But for someone like Lee Westwood, who's been a pro of, what, 25 years, yeah. whatever it is now, more even, he's dealt with every... Bar winning oh, a major, dealt with every situation. So he doesn't need a caddy, I wouldn't imagine, whispering no. down his ear, no. relax, breathe, all that. He's probably going to do his head in. Like yeah. you said, he wants to know what he's doing is his choice, and if he yeah. hits a bad shot, like that bunker shot, that wasn't the worst mistake in the world. But it was his. He, he chose yeah, that. Yeah. So, I don't know. But, but then again, you could say Tiger was the most driven, kind of confident athlete probably ever. But yet Steve Williams was such a massive part of yeah. that, wasn't it? They worked as a team. So, it, it, it. I think I think if you were looking at a caddy, let's say you are new on tour and you had a choice of caddies between your best mate who, you know, and this is, if, let's say you're 19 and you've just made it on tour, your best mate, you think, oh, it'd be great to travel the world with him. He doesn't really know loads about caddying, professionally caddying, or someone that's been around the block, a Billy Foster or a Steve mm-hmm. Williams or someone like that, or, a you know, Steve Brotherhood who we did a, um, a podcast with. In at that journey, at that time in their journey, that experienced caddy could be the biggest game changer for him because it'll give him so much knowledge and like say the arm around the shoulder and the experience around different golf courses and everything else um against like say the newbie but i think once you get more experience like rory like westwood doesn't it doesn't matter who carries your bag well they but, they're the ones who they know don't they yeah. at the end of the day can i ask you a question and this might be a clip on the second channel potentially um i think it's quite interesting i want to hear your opinion on this so still kind of touch on the tour news and i don't want to sound like a broken record to be not bryson again I was thinking this morning, okay? Okay. And it might sound crazy, this. But was Bryson a, a bad or even terrible signing for Cobra Golf? And let me just give you my thoughts okay. first. Okay. And again, as always, these kind of topics, a little bit of devil's advocate in it, a, bit, a little bit of tongue in cheeks. So don't take it, but just, just, you know, getting us thinking. So they signed him, I think, in 2016, he was 22. He'd come off the back of, I think, the US Amateur and NCAA Championships, etc. He was phenomenal. Yeah. But as soon as he kind of hit the, you know, he kind of hit the mainstream, everybody knew he was this kind of mad scientist, for want of a better word. Yeah. He was obviously looked very different to how he looks now. He wore the kind of flat caps, which is <laughs> just, just that's how people recognised him. He had this kind of very one-plane swing. He had the one-length irons. He was very different, wasn't he? And Cobra signed him. Off the back of that, they've made him his own one-length irons that are very different. Massive, chunky grips. I'm sure a lot of people know about this. He also has a very peculiar putter that's a brand called Sick. You know, at the moment, Cobra don't really make putters, so he uses their putter. He uses a Bridgestone ball. But as a signing for Cobra, like this weekend, he's, he's done really well again, hasn't he? He won last weekend. But from a marketing point of view, for, to me anyway, and I might be speaking as just the only person in the world that thinks like this, 
he's so unrelatable. I love him, don't be wrong, I really like the guy, but he's now like built like an NFL player. He's a massive big unit and he absolutely smacks the golf ball, doesn't he? Uh, did he what drive did he use this weekend? Was it the old one again? Or it was did... the it was the old one, but honestly he hardly used it the final round. So he didn't really use his drive much, but he's not using the current Cobra driver. His Cobra irons are so aliens. What most people, ninety nine percent of golfers use variable length irons, he uses one length. His putter is kind of up the left arm. And it's not Cobra. It, it's not Cobra. His golf ball's not Cobra. He doesn't use Cobra wedges, does he either? Has he got artisan or something? Yeah. So it's a signing. Yes, it's good that it's getting Cobra's kind of brand in people's minds it was an athlete as as um someone they can utilize to shift their products does he help the brand bearing in mind as well ricky's off the boil a bit at the minute so he's their only poster boy would it have been a better investment to go for somebody else who who would use more run-of-the-mill equipment yeah <laughs> you've kind of stumped me um well why don't you try and play on the other side and say why he's been a good good asset to them maybe I think he's been a good asset for two sides. I think first off, you cannot you, for the for see for the for what's the right word I'm trying to get for here. Let's rewind back to 2016 when they signed him. Was that the year? So yes. like five years ago now, you could not have picked a more progressive player. Mm-hmm. Like somebody in that time frame, nobody has done as well as Bryson DeChambeau has in that time frame. I don't think, statistically. He's won eight times. Yeah, I think you're probably right, without looking at all He's the stats. He's won a major. Yeah. You know, he is the talk of the town. In terms of profile as well. Profile. Yeah. Like, people know more about Bryson DeChambeau than they do about Justin uh, Jordan Spieth right now. Mm. You know, he's the most talked about... To- he, in my opinion, now, right now, as we talk, he is the most talked about tour player right now. Mm-hmm. So if you think about that, and, and let's just, I, I would take it two ways. I think from the broad spectrum of golfers, just golfers around the world, that, that may not know the tour news or might not know the latest driver he uses or whatever, they are seeing on TV or online the most talked about, the most influential golfer right now using Cobra. Mm-hmm. Like most people, that's all they'll know. They won't know that he doesn't use a Cobra putter. They probably don't know that he doesn't use a Cobra ball, even though Cobra don't really make a ball. So I think for the, a lot of the general public that might not be super, super into golf will just connect Bryson with Cobra. So I think that's a really, like, that link is really powerful. And like I said, they can use him when, when you walk into a retail store. It wouldn't surprise me. There's a massive big <laughs> billboard of Bryson DeChambeau stood next to the Cobra, Cobra. Has that, signs. though? Has his whole physique and stuff almost become a bigger story, though? I think so. And people yeah. know he's a big unit and he's put loads of muscle on it and smacks it, but they might even know what clubs he uses potentially. Because well, even though we're gonna, I'm going to play devil advocate on the on the positive side. Another another one as well, because obviously Cobra uh, are linked with Puma. Puma have also signed him. So so every time, even whether what regardless of what clubs he's using, he's always wearing Puma. Yeah, good he's point. always wearing the Puma clothing, the Puma shoes, whatever it may be. So on that side of it, you can almost break it into two realms. Yes, even though people might not know him for his golf clubs, exactly what golf clubs he's using, they'll see him in in Puma Puma gear all the time. I think there's a big thing that's been missing is that when a when a player gains distance and they've not changed their physique massively, they might have changed the technique, but it's almost something that's hidden, mm-hmm. something you can't see. The product gets all the praise. Yeah. You know, at the moment, like Adam Scott's hitting it 
way longer than he has done for a long time and a lot of people are putting it down to like the, the technologies you're using this these new shafts that he's trying whatever it may be so they're, they're putting it down to something that's external bryson isn't isn't having that when bryson is hitting it a long way nobody is saying that's because of the club Everybody, in my opinion, is, is saying that's because he's swinging it faster, because he's hitting it harder, because it, they, they, they're attributing it to him as an athlete as opposed to the product. Yeah. Okay. Even though that's actually on your defense. Yeah. So I don't think it's a bad signing. I think um, for, for awareness of a product, it's probably working quite well. Yeah. I mean... I just don't know. I'm stumped. I don't know. I feel like I think of Bryson and I'm thinking of Cobra. So there's that. That is true. But he just feel and this isn't a negative about him. I just want to get. I like Bryson. It just everything he does just seems so unrelatable. He hits it at 130 mile an hour clubhead speed. He essentially anchors the putter. I know it's not officially anchoring. He swings on a one plane swing with one length irons. He just doesn't. Nothing that he does would make me want to buy the club because he just feels too almost. Alien, if you like. I think that was sometimes the issue with Tiger with, when he was at Nike, that people didn't really buy Nike clubs off the back of Tiger because it's Tiger. He's a robot. He's an alien. He's not a real person. So yeah. what clubs he uses, borderline. He's like a superhero. Yeah. Anyway, is that enough tour news? Possibly. I've got something for you today then. Okay. So I, I, I sent you a text this morning. You did. And asked you to think of some clubs that you like. And the reason was, do you remember a couple of weeks ago off the podcast we were chatting and I was telling you about Desert Island Discs? remember so desert island discs if reminding rick and people that don't know it's like a radio program that's now also a podcast that's been broadcast since january 1942 ah yeah i do remember so it's um it's like um very well known in the uk it's like a british institution i've listened to it once i listened to one with the astronaut tim peak and essentially what it is is a guest whether a celebrity obviously an astronaut the was or a footballer of years gone by an artist and it, whatever it might be someone that's famous i've got a good story to tell goes on this radio show and they essentially get cast away to a desert island okay and they're allowed to take 10 songs with them okay so in this this radio show they'll play a little clip of each song and they'll say why that song come with them it might remind them of when they got engaged or got married or a poignant moment in their life they're also allowed to take a luxury item okay and a book okay okay so i thought well obviously that makes no sense to our <laughs> podcast so i've got a little twist on it and i'm going to start with you and we might do this with guests in the future i like it it's going to be called you ready for this drum roll please desert island sticks Ooh. So, Rick Shields, Working title. you're getting cast away <laughs> to a desert island, okay? For okay. the rest of your days. Okay. On this desert island, like conveniently, this. there's a nine-hole golf course. There's like no greenkeeper, it's in pristine condition. This is forever. great. Brilliant. So, you have got to take with you a set of golf clubs, okay? There's two Ooh. caveats here. You have to have owned them at some point in your life. Okay. And it's not all, in the kind of second caveat, if you like, it doesn't have to be the golf clubs that you've necessarily performed the best with because on this desert island where you're going to spend the rest of your days, you're just enjoying yourself. You're not necessarily playing for score. You're getting up in the morning. You're going catching, I was going to say catching some coconuts, but you're going to go and get some coconuts and, and drink the milk what and like. whatever you're going to do. <laughs> so you want clubs that you've enjoyed. So I want you to talk from putter all the way to driver, even include a golf ball, wow. and then we'll also let you take one luxury item, okay. and also we'll stick with a book, but it's a golf book. Should we stick with the book? No, I can do a book. 
your face didn't look like you wanted a book then. You pulled a really like you're going to be sick face. I think there's a couple of things. I'm not a big reader, but I have been in the past. Okay, then you so can take I a can, book. I can take a book, yeah. So, welcome to the first episode of Desert Island Sticks. Wow, I like this. Well done, guys. This is a great little section. Thanks. Right. Uh, well, it's funny this, because so I have put a list together Good. of clubs. Um, I'm just trying to think, does, does any of them change now you've told me the, the actual theory? It doesn't, doesn't matter about the score and stuff. I mean, it, you could say about score, but um, if you're there forever, you just want clubs that you like. Yeah, I don't think this would change. Right, you okay. ready? We start at ball, if you don't mind. Ooh, have you got okay, a ball? I have. Okay. Um, and it's a bizarre choice, <laughs> but it's one that I thoroughly, thoroughly loved using. A lot of these take me back to, to youth. Yes. A lot of them do, because it, that's when I feel like I played the most amount of golf, let's be honest. So the ball I'm going to take with me, and I'd, I'd want number zeros. Come on, I'm fingers crossed it's going to say something good here. Strata Tour Professional. Oh, nice. Okay. Nice. Let me explain. Yep. So Strata Tour Professional was certainly a golf ball that I used a lot when I was growing up. Mm-hmm. The Pro V1s were out, but they were way too expensive. Stratas came out as a sub-brand of Top Flight. Top Flight were terrible balls, but they made really good Stratas. There was the Ballata golf ball. There was a Tour Professional. Then they brought out ones with like um, uh, like clubs and, and spades. Playing cards. Yeah, cards playing cards yep. for numbers. The other thing I really liked about them, and I was just mentioned then, the first golf ball I ever remember having a zero was the number. So I used to always want Strata Tour Professional Zeros, right? Mm-hmm. So that's my golf ball. Spun like crazy, cut up like crazy. So as long as I get an unlimited amount, that's fine. Yeah, you do. It's just that they cut up like way too much. Okay. Wedges? Yes. And a putter. 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 Okay. So again, I'm probably not going to go so much on... Um, performance here because if i was going to go performance i'd probably want a bit more of a malady but putter that i've owned i still own right now i've had it refurbished not that long ago is my scotty cameron long neck trillium nice. okay and it's pure and aesthetics it's a beautiful looking putter it's um it always reminds me i always feel like i, I almost i feel like tiger woods when i use that putter like for me, it's it's a it's a putter that I just feel like is a beautiful looking putter. I had it refurbished recently, and it's it's epic. I think so far, I, I, I must admit, I was hoping, but I understand why we we're going to go for Torbalata, Titus Torbalata. But I'm not offended by the Strato Professional, so you've got a tick from me there. Okay, putter. Not that it matters if I give you a tick or not, but Sorry? it's nice to get ticks. Isn't I, it? I like ticks. You're going to get a tick for the putter as well. Okay, I'm happy with that. Wedges. wedges. Okay, so again, my favourite ever, ever, ever wedges. There's two reasons why they're my favourite. And now I'm on a desert island. I think there'll actually be three reasons why they're okay. my favourite, right? <laughs> I'd go with tr- Cobra Trusty Rusties. Yes. Let me explain. First off, they came in odd lofts. They did. 57 and 51. I was sticking them well, I, had, I had 51, 55 and 59. Oh, that's nice. Like, just for whatever reason, certainly the irons that I use as well, 51, 55 and 59 would really suit suit me right now. <laughs> Um, I mean, to be honest, though, if I'm on a desert island, I might go extreme and like maybe swap like the 59 for like a 65. Yeah, or I'm a 64. just the, the degrees aren't the end of the yeah. world here. Let's just go clubs. But yeah, I love that. I like them because they were really good wedges anyway. I like the fact they rusted. But why I like them on a desert island is I feel like what I, what I liked about the trusty rust is, and even the trillium to some degree, is the clubs you you have to take care of. Okay. So the trillium, you had to put the oil can. Um, substance in the head cover and you got the head cover and you polished it, was it. gun oil gun oil that was it yeah. millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom like Evan who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds 
Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. It didn't rust. Weirdly, it didn't rust. But then the Cobra trusty rust is, you'd want them to rust. Yes. But also, do you remember the trick about getting them not to rust? Yes. Putting them in Coke. coke. Now, hopefully I've got Coke on the desert island, but who knows? That's what he looks right, him is. <laughs> but I could use the, the um, maybe the gun oil to stop them rusting, dip them in the salty sea, <laughs> let them rest against the palm tree in the sun, yeah. and they would go really rusty. And then with a tall professional strata, you're having pure backspin. Too much backspin. Yeah. But I'd, but I'd love it. Yeah. Because that's all I really want to do in golf. Yeah, just get backspin. Yeah. Okay, wedges, I think, again, you're getting a tick. And I think what's interesting, again, we, we said this a few times, we started golf a very similar like, era in 97, 98. At the time, your big boy wedges were Cleveland's <laughs> and Cobra Trusty Rusty. Yeah, it was just before Vokies really hit the UK in a big, big way. So I, I get why you've gone with that. Wouldn't have thought it at first, but yeah, I'll give you a tick for that. I'm going uh, to quickly... Lads, are these cameras still recording? They're just <laughs> chilling out. Lads, they behind the camera today. Um, can I come back to my irons? Is that because you've not got... Um... No, I have. I don't think I'm going to get a tick off you, okay. which alarms me. <laughs> I feel alarmed. <laughs> and I feel like I, I might change my, dis- okay. my, my mind on the irons. Right, okay. Then. Come back to irons. So we're going to go Fairway Wood. Yeah. Now, I, I don't remember the exact model. I've just Googled them now, and I'm not sure if these are still, if, if this is the exact model. So a lot of people would probably think right now, and you might be the same, would probably think I'd go with my, my old Bluey, my F7, the club I've had in the bag for the longest, right? That's not the case. Okay. Not even, not even close, right? The fairway wood I'd go for, I'm again, excited, yeah. this is going back old school. I'm going to caveat it by, I'd, I'd want this with a Pro Force shaft. Standard. Yellow and, pur- yellow and purple shaft. Yeah. And I'd want the Titleist 904F. Yeah. Now, the 904, thank you, thank you. 904F, unbelievable fairway wood. Yeah. 
very again very classic pear shape it's a mini driver beautiful soul on it i'm even looking at the pitch online now and, and i actually want one like i feel like i want to buy one you should buy this set actually that could yeah. be the shout like this is an unbelievable looking fairway wood it's it's got pro trajectory on it yes which is why would you not want that um it's just beautiful everything about it the head cover the shaping the profiling like i say i'm not I mean, I think it is 904F, I would have. But I'm not... Any of those fairway woods from Titleist in that era... I had the 980F, which was the year before, I think. 980F. Oh, yeah, that's naughty. I had that one. That's naughty. You know what? I, I might even go for that because you've still got the um, the woolen sock you head have. cover. You have indeed. Right, so that's... Again, I'm going to give you a tick for that. So far, you've, you have done quite well here. Thanks, pal. Um, something interesting I'm going to come on to at the end that's... I think strings all these together, but then driver. I'm looking at fairway woods now. We've still got driver, putter, and irons here. Let's, come on, let's go. I've drive. Done putter. Oh yeah, of course you have. It's driver, right now. I'm fast forwarding a little bit more to the future now. Yeah. Because if, if I'm thinking to myself, if I want a driver for the, if this is the only driver I'm ever going to use, I want something that's probably not as old school. Because all those other clubs, as much as they're old, if I was to test them against modern day golf clubs now, they're they still, would still popping. Perform. Possibly the three would might lose a bit, but not end of the world. I feel like the Pro Force with a little Pro Force shaft yeah, in. You've got the bling vibe, haven't you? Yeah, I feel like I'd just rock Lose it. distance, gain vibe. Correct. And if I'm on Desert Island, that's what it's all about. It's all about the vibe. So I feel like the putter is no different to how it performed 20 years ago. The wedges are no different 20 years ago. The golf ball may be a little bit, but I can live with it because you get more spin. Fairway would again, just because it's the profile, the look and everything else. Again, I'm going to come back to the irons. Do you want to know one quick treat as well I didn't mention? I've just decided this now. They're old clubs, but they're all brand new. Okay. So just, just you know, nice. the caveat again. <laughs> driver. Yes. So I'm going to go with something that, that one of my favourite drivers in the last six or seven years. I think I know where you're going. Go on. Can I preempt it? 2016 M2. Oh, not bad. 2016 M1. Ah, yeah. Um, only because I had the M1 over the M2. Yeah. I did have them both, but M1 for me, so the original tailor-made M1. Mm-hmm. Carbon crown, the, the fact that it had the white and the black crown in, the T-weight system at the back, um, beautiful sound, beautiful ball flight, really good driver, really classic. I'd have it in the 460, even though I actually gained the 440 as well, but I'd have, I'd have oh, the 430. I'd have the 460, get more forgiveness, loads of distance, um, sounded epic, looked phenomenal. I like the crown where, again, if I'm on a desert island, I don't want anything to shine, too shiny. So the M1 had that feature as well. Yeah. Yeah, good. So it's just irons left? Yeah. Not sure on these irons now. Because hmm, if I'm at a desert island and I want a set of irons, see, I, I feel like I want to go more blingy. Forget about the desert island as such. Just think about the fact you're playing Eternity in a nice course with nine holes. <laughs> I like the desert island vibe, though. <laughs> what irons would I want to hit for the rest of my life? I personally don't want to put words in your mouth. I think you've got to go blades because we're not mm. looking for performance here. See, I wasn't in blades. I'm going to stick with what I've got. Go on, then. And, and I know I'm not going to get a tick from you, but that's <laughs> fine. I can live with that because I think I'm going to enjoy myself much more. Go on. Okay. I would go for... I, I could blade them, actually, but I'm not going to do, right? Because I, I, I love these set of irons. It's the only irons I've had a holding one with, legitimate holding one. It's what the irons mm-hmm. that, again, at the time, they're not sexy. Not that many people used them. They, you know, they're not... If we put a list together, 
They're not they're not in many people's top ten. Not not even in many people's top hundred iron sets. Go on. I know what you're saying. I'm gonna go with the Wilson V six. And I know you're disappointed. And then, I, listen, I get that. I'd go three to pitching wedge. In fact, no, I'd drop the pitching wedge. I'd get a trusty, rusty pitching wedge. I'd go three to nine iron. Um, I just love the set. And, and I know they're not the best looking in the world. And I'm sure I'll, I'll look on my desert island. I'll look over to them sometimes and go, why the hell did I pick those things? Why did, why did I choose the V6? But I know there'll be a time when I'm on the golf course and I'm just playing the game of my life. And I, you know, I've racked up 15 holding ones with the set. I'll go, that's why I picked the V6 irons. That was good. Enjoy that. It's really nice. I think we'll do that with... Um, I've not done my book yet. Oh, God, I your book. Oh, sorry, you're jumping ahead. Sorry. What else have I got? You've got a book and you've got a luxury item. I've got so carried with the clubs and I've got all that extra bit. Oh, luxury item. Can I get internet signal? Well, yeah, but that, then you can't have a phone because that would be... <laughs> can I have a phone... With I, no internet? <laughs> I can search, but I can't do anything else. Okay. So I can't message people. You can have an iPhone, but you can have a 4S. That's as good as you can have. Okay, I'll take that. You have an iPhone 4S. So that'll be my luxury item. In white. An iPhone. <laughs> no case. Then I'd have a book. One of my favorite books ever, but it makes no sense to have on a desert island, is Dale Carnini, How to Win Friends and Influence People. Okay. Right? Yeah, there's I no get point, what you're what's the point. I wonder then what's the point about being an island? That does make perfect sense. Because there's no people on a desert island. Um, so I'd probably go for book. So a lot of my books are like learning books. I've never read a book book. That's fine. I'll tell, you what, what, I'll you tell you what, I've never read, and I found it the other day. I know what you're going to say. Shoe Dog. Yeah, the book you, from Phil Knight. You bought it me I when I signed for Nike, and I never I never read it, so I'd take that just because. That is a good book. If anyone's listening, it's the book of Phil Knight who created Nike and all about how it started. It's actually a really good read. I don't read a lot, but that was good. So we've not missed anything out that we're done now on I that. Think that's good. That was really good. I enjoyed Thanks. that. No, I so um, we've also got, I've got a dear Rick that's from me this week, which what? is a random one. Yeah, I know. We've had loads of good emails, so we're going to come on to them. So if you've sent an email to us, and the reason that it's, well, I say it's from me, it's not. It'll make sense in a minute. Um, go on, what are you going to say? You'll be like, uh, this is from Anonymous. No. Um, I work for somebody who's a right pain in the ass. Yeah, it's, it, well, it is from you, but it's not. I'll come on to that in a moment. Uh, if you do want to send yours in, uh, send us an email to podcast at rickshields.com. Um, as Rick said earlier on, we've got so many podcasts lined up. We might even start occasionally doing two a week. Don't want to promise on that, but we might have dip in and out. So if you send us emails, we do try our best to read them all, reply to them all, and get as many as we can on the podcast. So don't fret. Um, but speaking about emails, people writing in, I've got two little bits of good news for you. Okay. So the first one was an email, and it is from Anonymous. It doesn't really massively need to be, but I kind of understand why he wants to be anonymous. Um, but this gentleman... Um, was replying to so the other day when about gen- the other guy that wanted to get from like 14 to 9 in the season and was it possible this email and I don't want to offend the person that wrote it I borderline don't believe but I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt because it's so far-fetched okay. does that make sense yeah, it's yeah. so far-fetched I don't believe he's not like he can't be lying so I'm not gonna read the title because it'll give it away but basically he said well let's just go straight into it my son came down from 48 handicap in June 19, okay, so June 19, this son was a 48, November just gone, so not even 18 months, what's that, about 15 months or 16 months later, okay, just over a year later, he's off 2.7. So his first handicap was 48 as a 12-year-old junior, now he must be, what, 13, he's off 2.7. So he started off, he got um, given 48, 
He then got an official 28 handicap, a Kongu handicap a few months later. Uh, he was off 21 at the start of June last year, so middle of lockdown when the course reopened, he was off 21. And on now the new system is off 2.7. Um, he spent hours in the bunker, some 50 yards in. Um, and he said, there's no reason why a 12-year-old can't have as good a short game as anybody. You know, it's not a physical thing, yeah, massively. Yeah. Uh, he kept it in play off the tee and put it every night after school. Um, he's not particularly a, a big uh, big kid either. He had half a dozen good quality lessons throughout the year. Um, apparently, again, this might give it, but he had some lessons off. Um, he got some clubs from from Dan Webster at St. Anne's Old Link, some Ping Prodigy Junior sets. Um, and now he's got some kind of slightly better gear, you know, more grown-up gear. But he's essentially, and again, there's no reason to disbelieve him, gone from 48 to 2.7 in just over a year. Wow. So... I'm seeing, I mean, a vi- I'm seeing a video in the future. Well, that's it. If this gentleman's, you know, he's obviously a young lad. If he wants to possibly do a video about it, wow, it's really impressive. Um, so that was quite interesting. I wanted to read that's out. That's crazy. And the other well thing, done, well done, really well done. I mean, that is, it is phenomenal, yeah. isn't it? How can we watch Stay Anonymous? Only because, and I'm getting, he didn't say why. I'm imagining some people will disbelieve it, right? So I didn't. He might not want people to start bad mouth. I don't okay, know. I'm yeah. guessing that's why. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Another bit of good news: um, people who are members of the Facebook group, uh, the Rick Shields Golf Show podcast on Facebook, might remember this, and obviously other people might not. But a gentleman called Rob Lee Crass sent, sent us a like a Facebook well post in February of last year, so just before the world went mad, and it was about his granddad who was 100 years old, was still playing golf. And the post absolutely went massive. I'll just see if I can find it now, actually, because I don't want to kind of do it a disservice and forget any bits of it. I'll just see if I can pull it up. But basically, some re- something really I thought I'd share with everybody because it's so kind of inspiring. Um, that is so good. So, the so he's po- 100 and he's still playing golf. The post was... Um, How are you going to find that quick? I've got because I can search his name. Oh, nice. So basically, his granddad was 100... And he was still playing golf um, at a golf club in East Sussex. And he shared a video of him on the tee, if you remember. Oh, it yeah. had like 678 likes or something. It, was, it did really well. And it was a really kind of cool story. And everybody was giving him loads of, you know, um, kind of words of encouragement and stuff like that. And it was really nice to see a bit of a community coming together. Well, actually, Rob got back in touch on Facebook to me. And he said that, um, would it be possible for his granddad to, to get um, a shout out on the podcast? Rob, Rob's a big fan of the podcast. I don't think his dad is now 101, massively listens, but I think he said if he his gets a shout out, his, dad. his granddad. So did I say dad then? It's right, oh, no, yeah. it's granddad. Um, he's 101. Uh, he said if he gets a shout out, he will, he'll get him to listen to it. Um, so I said, of course. Now his name is Sid Powis. I think that's how you say it. It's P-O-W-I-S. So it's Powis, I think, Mr. Powis. He's 101 years old. And I asked him some information just to kind of pad out the story a bit. He's been playing golf since coming home from World War Two. His best handicap was 16, uh, which he held up until his 80s. And oh I quite like that because it, it, so you sometimes, I mean this in a, in a good way, you sometimes think that someone who's played golf for that long would have been like a scratch golfer yeah, or yeah. something. But I kind of like the fact that he was obviously better than average because I think 18 is the average handicap. So he was a bit better than average, but obviously just loved the game for, for loving it. It wasn't like he was some world beater and he just loved the game of golf. Um, and actually, up until his 80s, he often managed to beat his age, which is phenomenal. You know, go out gross and beat your age. That's so it's like so shooting good. 85 at the age of 86 or something. Um, he was the, the heartbeat of golf in Sussex and was a junior organiser at the golf club where Rob plays for 30-odd years, and he's helped to produce loads of good golfers. So by the sounds of it, Sid's, Sid Powis is, is Mr. Powis. He's doing really well. He's 101 years old. He will hopefully listen to this because he's got a shout-out, and he's officially listener of the week. And I imagine the oldest listener of the week will probably ever have, and the wisest. Wow. 
Mr. Powis. Well done. Congratulations. I mean, that is just uh, what an amazing story. The fact that, and like you mentioned there, it is, it is great that you, you know, no disrespect to Mr. Powis, but he's been a, an average golfer all yeah. of his life. And that's good. Like he's loved, he's played golf for the love of playing golf, not to, be, to become a professional. Exactly. Or, because I, I was, I always think I bet a lot of professionals when they kind of get a bit older sack it off mm-hmm. and just go you know, I can't play as good as I used to well I bet he still has the drive in his belly I bet he just likes maybe not so much now but the fact that when he was in his 90s that he could go out and try and shoot his age and try it's, you know it's remarkable isn't it awesome now that would be a good video well we actually spoke to Rob about possibly doing a video because I wondered why I was looking back at the chat with him and we'd spoken about possibly doing a video and I kind of thought why did that never happen but obviously it was was because of COVID exactly so you know um, maybe in the future we could look at doing something with him and you know, even just his story. I mean, how many stories you've got, how many hole-in-ones he's probably seen, or how many great golfs he's played with, or the mad the nightmare golf shots yeah. or whatever he'll have. So that was really cool. Brilliant. You I ready for your that. dear, Rick? Yes, let's and do it, this. It, again, so it is from me, but it's it's not from me. So <laughs> at the weekend, one of my good friends, Mike, sent me a text, and I'm going to read it out um, because it really, it's something we've touched on before, but because it was a good mate who I wanted to kind of give a good answer to, it really actually got me thinking. And I think, you know, you could possibly help with this as well. So, basically, he said, out of the blue, um, how are you doing? I need some advice. Okay. Okay. So, I went, I'm all good. Um, give some context. How, is this a mate from school? So, I went to university with Mike. Um, okay. He's not a golfer. He um, works in London. He's got a good job. He's 28, 29. So, um, he wants to get into golf. Okay. That's where it's going. So, he said, I'm going to ask my mum for some clubs for my next birthday, which I think is, is next month. Literally, just to start a set, but no idea what I should be getting, whether I need to be measured up or get a certain size, etc. I'm a complete novice, which obviously I kind of knew all of that anyway. Well, I didn't know he was getting some clubs, but knew he was obviously never played golf. He said, We'll also look at getting some lessons when you know things open up, etc. What the hell do I do? Right? So, I then said, Okay, my first question would be your budget. Because you've got it. If he says 100 quid or he says 20 grand, it's, you know. So, he said, I'd say up to about 500 pounds. Okay. So, um, something to get started with. So, it was almost the worst price I could hear that. Because 200 quid, I know where I'm pointing him. 1500 quid, I know where I'm pointing him. 500 quid's a good amount of money, but it's a hard one. It is. So, I had a quick look round um, and I found a full set of Rife package, package set on American Golf. 500 quid right okay. 499 they look okay. all right yeah yeah right-handed they'll be as they're no custom fitting as far as i know now i know joking aside i've had some pros and cons of custom fitting but mike's quite about six foot two so he's not like a giant but he you know we might find the standard length a bit short and also i've always found that package sets are quite short weirdly yeah. uh, and very they only might say regular they're often very flexible yeah, and soft. so i looked at that and i thought well you know it it, it it ticks a box in the sense that he would have everything. He'd have bag, putter, wedges, everything. It's brand new. No one's ever touched it. You can take the wrappers off that lovely experience. And Rife, as we know, was a great brand for putters years ago. I think the package sets are, they're all right, but they're not going to be amazing. So I sent him that, but said the downside is they're not custom fit. It's going to be stock length. They're not going to be the best quality, etc. But then I said, but, you know, if you're happy to get second hand, I could point you over to golf, and I could almost build you a set I think would be really good for you. And I think he was open to that. But then the downside, I understand, is that although he might get a ping G15 set of irons, to him who's a non-golfer, they're going to be old, they're going to yeah. be a bit battered, they're going to yeah. be dirty. Yeah. He, I know they're great, but he's not got that experience. So then I showed him, last thing before I want to hear your advice, I showed him the uh, Callaway Edge set. Yeah. Sold out got in like steel. cult following them, haven't they now? Exactly. You can get them on Costco website with graphite shafts, like 530. But again, he's quite tall and quite strong. I thought probably... The, the, the steel ones are going to be better for him, which are sold out. 
and also there's no bag. Where does he turn? Where do these go? And they, a lot of the listeners might not need this advice because they themselves will be have decent gear. But if you've They're got like friends, mates. exactly. So them. what do we do, Rick? Yeah, it is. And like you mentioned there, it is the worst price point. Mm. Because if you said two grand, well, that's easier because you go get, well, go, let's advise you to go and get a fit in um, or, or at least get a set that's, you know, going to last for a little bit longer. I think for £500, it is very challenging. And you you probably do need to go into it with the mindset that you're probably going to get a set that's only going to last you a year. And what I mean by that, it's not the quality of the set that's only going to last you a year. It's the fact that you can, you're going to have a set and then you'll learn the, your craft within that year. You might have lessons with them. You might play your first couple of rounds of golf with them, whatever it may be. And then you'll have a better idea. Because I feel like when you look at a sport from the outside, you know nothing about mm-hmm. it, like zero. As soon as you step foot into that sport, though, you learn things so quickly. So in it wouldn't surprise me if Mike, in about, three or four months when he's get going he'll know loads of things because there's so much information out mm-hmm. there and you know he'll know what brands to look out for he'll know buddy bryson dechambeau's using a four-year-old driver <laughs> he'll know like he'll know all these things but it's like say it's that first step in um so i think as long as you go in the idea that okay you just need a set that's going to get you going for me yes second hand is phenomenal and i think this is where a service needs to be put in place Okay, so I'm kind of giving an answer here to uh, giving a, uh, an answer here, but might not be an actual solution just yet. Why is there not a service that helps golfers like this? Mm-hmm. So let's say golf bidder, like I mean, I don't know if they do. I don't think they do. Imagine if you could actually ring them up and say, "This is my budget. This is what I need," and they can almost put a set together mm-hmm. for you. Because um, where else do you go? Like it's so hard. And like you said, that's what I was saying before, but about the budget, because it sounds silly. If he had a lot less money, you say he had 300 quid or 200 quid, I'd just point him in that direction of a package set that is a phase. Or yeah. no, no disrespect to those clubs. Because that's what you can get. That, yeah, it gives you everything. Go out, but 500 quid's a good amount of money. It's just hard to... I know, And like I said as well, there's something... I know a lot of golfers who like the game, know what the game, appreciate secondhand stuff, and as, as do we. But there's something, you know, for your birthday, it's yeah, nice to have it. something that's never been touched, isn't it? And that's the thing, imagine being bored and no disrespect to it. Like, again, you step in front into a new sport and you are getting a, a second hand whatever. Yeah. It doesn't feel quite as special, does it? And like I say, I understand people do that and, that and that's a great way of starting. I wish I had a full answer for you. It's hard, isn't it? That's yeah. why I wanted to ask you. Yeah, I wish I wish there was a way of just being able to say, I mean, let's just for a minute go back go back in time and go back into my kind of professional days what i'd what i'd probably say to start things off is maybe don't jump straight into clubs but maybe jump into a to a lesson to start things off so let's mm-hmm. say let's say michael has 500 pound budget okay it's all right well why not let's start off with 100 pound and go and have some lessons first yeah and typically lessons you can you can use the golf clubs there you feel like you're getting something new you're getting some experience and then also lean on the professional's advice there because they'll know your game just a little bit better than somebody who doesn't know your game at all so that yeah. at least they can point you in somewhat of a direction um the callaway edge set's probably the one though if you can get hold of them that's what i said so we have a look on costco etc the callaway edge one because we know the putter is basically a standard obviously the it's irons are great the driver wasn't that bad it wasn't far off a real callaway drive well not real but uh well then here's the last point then should more brands come out with a, a set mm, like that a 500 like, quid set when i own tailor-made yes that's what i could do 
Yeah. That could be my first move. In fact, that could be the whole shift of the company. Yeah. Because <laughs> the thing is, I, I think, yeah, what I sometimes have advised people to do before is buy a package set, get into it, and then if you love golf and you want to get a new putter, then slowly replace the putter. You know, replace the wedges, replace the driver. But then the downside in this day and age now is stuff is so expensive. So if you buy a package set for 500 quid and then six months later want a new putter, a run of the mill Odyssey is like 170 now, isn't it, or something? So you, you're paying another third, essentially, if not more, of your... Of your cost of your first set to get a new putter you, so it's way, hard you can get the set on eBay Costco, the Callaway Costco set mm, could be a way to go then um, bit of a conundrum that wasn't it yeah there's no perfect answer to it which is annoying there isn't do you want a couple of um, Facebook questions just to finish this off yeah so a nice one um, here from Mark Christie he said, any tips for when attending the Open? For example, grandstand versus moving around, etc." That is a really good one. So I, I've done both. I've, mm-hmm. I've, when I've been to the Opens, I've done a bit of both. Um, let me give you the pros and cons. So if you're going to walk around, I'd advise two things. I'd walk around the golf course, particularly backwards. Yeah. And the reason why I say that is because you will, you will go against the tide of a lot of people walking, following the crowds, that's a b- bonus, and you can get in, you can get in the better positions. And also, typically, if you follow the golf course, and you end up just following one group or two groups, where when if you're walking backwards on the golf course, and the groups are obviously playing forwards, you actually see a lot, lot more golfers. Mm. You might not see more golf, but you'll see a lot more variation of golfers. Um, when you when you're looking at sitting in a grandstand, I've done it, but I, I get personally a bit bored. Yeah. Like, unless, unless it's a hole where you can see a lot of different holes, like for example, you know, if if you're on the 18th hole at the Open, one you to get the best vantage point, you've got to get there really early, and a lot of the time there's there's nobody playing that hole when you actually get there, and then to sit there all day just to watch the same shot now you watch all the golfers yeah it's a massive benefit but you're watching the same shot all the time mm. and it can get a bit tedious yeah it, it is hard isn't it i think for me when i've been so quite lucky to be in quite a lot of opens there's different aspects it's so like going to the range and just seeing the golfers if you've never been before that's something you've got to do just because you can see literally tens of golfers in two seconds can't you there's justin rose there's justin thomas or whatever it might be so that's good like you said, you don't when you're on the course, you don't watch as much actual golf as you would on the TV because you just can't follow as many people, can you? Um, mix it about, do a little lap of few holes, follow a player for a bit, go to Tented Village. But then that's the other thing. I have done it where I've literally followed a group and also I've mm. really enjoyed yeah. that. Like I might not that do it good. for the full 18 holes, but let's say there's a, there's a typically the draws kind of not random you will get groups of key groups you'll get like a, a justin rose a john spieth and a, and a ricky fowler or whatever playing together <laughs> i think that's just random in it what random thick i'd rather go brooks bryson rory it's big dogs i think so mm-hmm. or i'd quite I, sometimes i quite like seeing a group where it's two big dogs and a little dog because mm-hmm. you get to, you get to go different perspectives yeah. on how to play a golf course, and then literally just follow that group. Typically, you want to get a couple of holes ahead so you can get the best vantage points. But I do like I like the um, the excitement when you're following a group. Mm. Certainly, when it's a big group and there's loads of people, it's hustle and bustle, and it's got to run to the next bit to get your view. And you don't see the best vantage points because to get the best vantage points, you've got to get there ahead of the groups to get really mm. close to the grandstands. But you can still kind of get fairly close. I miss going to the open. I love going to watch the golf. 
It's good, isn't it? It is good. I wonder what's going to happen this year. Well, I imagine they will they will have fans, I'm guessing. It's just, I think it'll be a limited capacity. I'd imagine. It's mad watching Sawgrass last night and there's so many golfers there. Yeah, so many fans. So many fans, sorry. Felt busy, didn't it? Because we're not used to it. Yeah. They said there was only 5,000, but it looked more than that. Down, 17, it was rammed. Um, okay, one more question. How long going into this are we today? An hour. Okay, one more question maybe to finish on then. Uh, we've actually got a really good podcast next... Well, we're gonna, I think we're going to record two next week, actually. So we might either do them both in the same week or possibly... I feel like one I need a bit of coffee before next week's one. Yeah, it'll be... Bit, but have you liked the desk? I've enjoyed having the desk today, yeah. yeah. I feel a bit more serious, though. But I felt a bit be, more serious. Not be bad. Um, I think what I'm going to do next week, I don't mind the desk. Mm-hmm. I might handheld the mic and I might put my feet up. Oh, wow. But still on the desk. Okay. Um, so, last question... Um, I use this one because I've got an actual club in my head straight away, but I, I don't know if you will or not, but I'd be interested to hear. From Liam Poulsen, again on Facebook, has there ever been a club that either of you really wanted to use, but you just couldn't? For example, you really love the look of the club, but just couldn't hit it at all. Uh, go on, go yours first. My one it was many, many years ago now. Do you remember when Callaway relaunched the Big Bertha, probably about 2004 or five? Yeah. And they had really chunky irons where the bottom of them was so thick it stuck out miles. Do you yeah. remember those? Yeah, yeah. Um, well, they did a one iron and a two iron, and I remember at True Fit Golf in Warrington, where we've been for a f- you've had a fitting one time. They had a one iron and two iron in stock of these, and now they were super chunky. But I was probably about fourteen or fifteen, so to hit a one iron, obviously, so little loft, you need a lot of strength to get the ball up in the air. Um, and I wanted it. I tried it out, and it was it was forgiven for a one iron. I just couldn't hit it, and I'd really wanted to have it. It was quite cool to have a one iron. Then couldn't hit it. Didn't buy it, and that was one I really wanted. Other than that, I mean, you can look at a set of blades, but you don't actually really want them. You might think, oh, no. they look nice, but if any, anything that you've ever... It's probably more in your junior days, possibly, or... Um, it, you know, it's probably putters for me. Like a blade. There's just been putters that I've loved the look of. Even recently, that, that Odyssey 10. Mm. You know, yeah. like that is a putter I absolutely love, but when I tested it, I couldn't hold a thing. So it's more based on, like, performance. And, yeah, and also, there's, the there's a few drivers that I've had that I wish I could have... I wish if I played more golf and I was slightly more consistent, I would have loved to have played. So, for example, there's been a few more low-spin drivers, which I know maximizes my distance, but I can't play with them because I just know when it's bad, it's yeah. bad. Do you know what I mean? When you get those really low You know what's interesting, spinners. though? I was going very much on ability not being good enough, whereas you flipped it there with the putter and it was one that you could... Obviously, you are good enough to use a, a Spider 10. Yeah. It didn't work for you. That was a good angle. I didn't think of it yeah. like that. And that's probably, again, with, with like, drivers. I've tested loads of drivers, and, and when you catch a few, certainly low spinners, I can't... There's no particularly one that I'm thinking of. Uh, probably the only one one, but, again, I used it, but maybe in, in retrospect it wasn't the right thing to do, like the tailor-made slider, the SLDR, because that is a phenomenal driver mm. when you have to loft up and you've got super, super low spin. Um, and when you caught it, it was incredible when you caught it badly it was the, one of the worst drivers yeah. i've ever used because it was so unforgiving and maybe that's where i'd sit with probably drivers i'd probably like to use one that was a little bit more low spin a little bit different shaped head a little bit smaller um even like the one i've tested recently was at tsi4 like unbelievable looking driver i loved it i think it's one of the best looking drivers i've seen when i crushed it it was phenomenal when i hit it bad it was horrendous yeah. i think drivers is a big one for that where they look Really nice. Because mm. actually, a little blades look nice in the bag. A lot of people get scared by a blade. Yeah, they don't really yeah. want to use it, but a nice looking driver, I know what you mean. I'd love to use like a TSI 4, but I just couldn't anymore. Um, I think that's it. Yeah. I think that was a nice one today. Um, 
We Oops. that was Rick Siri. We would love it if anybody who hasn't done yet would like to rate us on Apple. Um, give us a hopefully a five star review. Yes. Um, that's it, really. Um, <laughs> I feel like today's been a weird one where I feel like it's been quite because I think last week again with all the kind of joke playing against YouTubers. Oh yeah. I feel like I like that kind of stuff because it's funny. But I never want people to think that everything we say is dead serious and we're actually... Because it's just done in tongue in cheek, isn't it? So I thought this week, let's go in a bit more... Did we upset anyone? I think a little bit. But I also saw a, a bit of feedback. And oh, it's hard on reviews because obviously, as I said to you before, people typically have a review when they're not happy with something than when they are, which is fine. But there was a review, and it did actually ring true a bit, that sometimes we spend too long at the start like talking about the podcast as opposed to producing the podcast, if you get what I mean. To get, so we might say like oh yeah, the podcast are doing this or doing that, we number this in this country and number that, and it's like, that in itself isn't the content, if you're with me. Yeah. So, I don't know. But I, but I feel like, if I was to if I was to listen to a podcast, uh, and I obviously do, and and you, I feel like you get behind them when, yeah. when they're excited about That's something. That's true. It's just a balance, I guess. I bet today we've, we've had a good mix of torn news. very safe. But safe's not always bad. We can have a clickbaity one next week yeah um, but speaking on clickbaity off the back of um you saying about which golfers you could or couldn't beat that did quite well on the second channel so again if you've not seen any of these videos in you know you're obviously listening to this podcast if you want to look at a few of the clips go onto youtube and type in the rick shields golf show and you'll find the channel and and you can watch some but the video where you were saying about who you could and couldn't beat had a bit of traction a few of the other kind of golf content creators have I think enjoyed it and, and off the back of it made their own couple of videos and stuff. But well, if they didn't, they're not they're not leveraging the clout, are they? Well, exactly. So not... maybe there'll be some matches this year. I think. <laughs> what's what's up? Is is there any value? I'm saying value. Is it feasible to have like a match play match against all the YouTubers? I, I think, think the, biggest the logistic only thing is, country, is that, that possibly the only thing that sometimes not worries me because I think it's done like people want to see it and I think it'll be good is that the difference is with a PGA Pro, as people know, you can turn Pro off four, and you can also turn Pro off plus four or plus five. Now, typically those plus four or plus fives go on to play, but like a James Robinson of the week, not always. They'd play and then decide to coach and then maybe create content or whatever. So I think people view PGA Pros as being the same, but the will naturally be some that are much better and had much better experiences. But, but my only kind of issue, if you like, or, or not, not worry, but just thought... With, with everybody playing, is that, you know, it doesn't... It, your ability doesn't necessarily affect your channel. Does that no. make sense? Yeah, so, of course. Like when you talk about Dan Hendrickson, you know, he's got a, a much smaller channel, but a very up-and-coming channel. And he's obviously a very good player and done very well at county level and stuff like that, I believe, from what, what he said in his videos and stuff. But if you beat him or he beats you, whatever, I know it sounds silly, but your channel's still your channel. Oh, Do you yeah. get what I mean? So it's well, just making the viewer... At the end of the day, the best player has the biggest YouTube channel. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't know why I've got this self-confidence. I don't know what it is. What did you turn pro off? Uh, three. So anyone that turned pro off better than three is better than you. That's a long time ago <laughs> now. Long yeah, but it doesn't ago. matter, does it? Because that's, I think that's where it gets confused. When people... Like, when you're doing the quest for the open and stuff, which was good content at the time, I think the viewers of your channel then started to get a bit confused as, well, are you a coach? Are you a creator? Yeah, are you yeah. a player? And, and and by putting yourself in three different lanes, if you then have a bad... If you then play bad in an event and shoot, let's just say, 85, a silly number, I know, does that make people think that you're <laughs> a bad that. coach or that you're a bad content creator? Yeah. You know, it doesn't have to be. You don't watch people necessarily because they're the best player in the world. No. So get back in your box. 
<laughs> I'm joking. You are quite good. You definitely. I'd say you're a a scratch handicapper. I'm looking forward to golf reopening. I want to see what your money with your mouth is. <laughs> Guys, thanks for listening. <laughs> it's a weird one today, but either way, uh, enjoyed it. And we'll catch you soon. Yeah. Peace. Cool.